I've had good partners. I've had bad partners. I've invested passively in deals that had terrible partners. I've invested passively that have amazing partners. And it really sucks. It just sucks because it's like, this could be so easy. We could make a lot of money. We could have a lot of fun doing it. But when you get... I'm Stephen Pesavento, and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by The Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. Create financial freedom for over a million investors. And I'm excited. I've got Jason Lee in the studio today. How you doing, Jason? Good, good, Steven. How about yourself? I'm doing amazing, man. I'm living a great life and I'm honored to, uh, to be able to dive into some of your background here today. I think it's gonna be really inspiring for folks. Um, let's start off with what did you name first? What was your first target, your first goal, the first thing that you were going after? Yeah, the first thing I was going after actually was um, when I was in college, I just wanted to um, retire my mom because when I was growing up, she had a lot of failed businesses, a lot of struggles raising me. I was a pain in the ass. So I wanted to give back to her. And that was like my first like big goal that I had in mind when I was younger. So you wanted to retire your mom. Where do you feel like that came from? What, what gave you that inspiration to think you could even do that? It's a great question. I, I think... It just came from just me growing up and realizing, uh, becoming more empathetic, just like seeing, um, you know, how much my family struggled with money and how much I was a burden growing up. So I think I realized that when I went away from home, um, I'm from the East Bay area up by mm -hmm. uh, like San Francisco, but then I moved to San Diego for school. Mm. And when I actually moved, I grew so much closer to my parents because I didn't like, I took it for granted when I was younger, uh, being close to family, but I think that's when I really realized like and got the inspiration like, damn, like I wasn't I was effed up growing up. I got to really do something and, you know, give back to my family and, um, you know, kind of pay her back for all she sacrificed for me. Isn't it wild how like when you're at home and you're growing up, you know, even if there was a lot of struggles that your parents kind of brought to you, it's like when you get out of the house, all of a sudden you're like, wow, OK, I have a little idea about what you're dealing with. And it's like the relationship change. I experienced that myself. I feel like, you know, as a kid, super rebellious, kind of always, you know, arguing, want to do my own thing. And then I get out of the house. I kind of like run away and and start kind of creating my own life. And then I have a new appreciation for kind of what they had to go through to even get me where I am. No, I, that's that's like very similar to my situation. Yeah, you definitely take it for granted. And when you grow up, you kind of realize all the stuff they've been dealing with and the struggles they've had, and you kind of see it as you get older and older. So you wanted to retire your mom. How'd you end up going about doing that? Or where are you at along that path? Yeah, so um, I'm happy to say that I've you know been able to do it at this point. I've bought my mom uh, an investment property down here. She lives off the cash flow. I've given her you know multiple six figures over the last like three or four Christmases. So. The way mm. I was able to do that was through through real estate. I mean, I first started through making commissions as a real estate broker. Um, I sold apartment complexes around San Diego, still do for investors uh, around Southern California. 
And then I saved up and started flipping houses, flipping small multifamily, and eventually went into buying bigger multifamily. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of how I did it. The, the reason how the reason why I wanted to get into real estate was because I saw that all my friends at school, <clears throat> all their most successful, the most successful families either were in real estate in the business somehow or own rental property. So I thought there was something there. And when I ended up kind of interning at my old company and getting into it, I saw how powerful it was. So yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that real estate took me in the direction I wanted to go. Yeah. And I, I love your story too, because you know, you're a young guy hint at your age for the audience. Who's not watching. Yeah. I'm 26. So you're 26 years old. You started doing real estate before you even graduated such a cool way to start making money and really learning business because business is all about sales. You know, it all comes down to, Hey, can I find deals? Can I negotiate? Can I try to make some money from the earning side of the equation? And then how do I actually get that money working for me? And you started that really early. hundred uh, percent. It, it definitely, the, the compounding effect started early for me for sure. But the first two years were really tough for me. I think, um, you know, when I first started in brokerage, I had less than like 400 bucks, 500 bucks in my bank account. And it was a no salary, no hourly wage job. They just told me that they'd mentor me and teach me their skills. And if I was lucky enough to get a deal, I get paid on it. And the first six, seven months, you know, got no check, no listings. After month six, got my first listing. And then, you know, month like nine or 10, it actually ended up closing. So the first yeah. year I basically made no money and had like two little side jobs, part-time gigs while being in school at San Diego State. So the first two years were really tough, but I think those first two years was when I, was when I actually made the most amount of money simply because that's when I developed the skills to start making money later in the future. And I think a lot of people in my generation don't understand that because mm -hmm. they just think, you know, how much of a salary can I make day one? They don't think about what skills can I create to make myself more valuable to the marketplace two, three, four, five years from now. Yeah, I, I always am telling young people when I'm talking to them, don't focus on becoming a millionaire now. Focus on getting really good at something, gaining those skills, that knowledge, that experience. And it's inevitable that you're going to make a lot of money because, you know, you started young. So you got that repetition really early. A lot of people just keep trying to go after something only for the money without actually becoming the best at something. And from my perspective, that's what led to my success. I mean, you know, I didn't really start full time in real estate until I was 26. I'm 33 now. And when I started, you know, I was in the hole, negative money, didn't have any money to my name, went 40,000 in debt, you know, in marketing and, and expenses to build a, a company where I could go acquire real estate. You know, I started out flipping houses because that was the easiest transactional way to start making money and getting experience. And then people look at where I'm not, where I am at now and, and where you're at and they say, oh man, that's so far. Like, I don't know how you could do it. And the way you do it is you just start. It's true. It's a fact. Yeah. You just got to start. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with also, um, learning, 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 but never actually doing, 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 they just learn, 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 but they actually never take the first step to actually start climbing the mountain. And I've seen that many times when I work with, you know, first time clients looking to buy their first investment property. They're on bigger pockets. They listen to every podcast out there and listen to your podcast, but they never actually buy their first deal. So hundred percent. All right. So what's your number? What's your number now? 
at, at the point at which you've made it that you don't ever have to work again? What's your number? <laughs> I think I, I don't have that exact number, but I think if I'm, I think if I can make you know six figures a month in cash flow, I don't I don't see myself wanting to you know grind ever again. So that's kind of yeah. that's kind of it for me. If I have a lot of passive income, I don't see a point in grinding it out every single day like I do now. So is that a hundred thousand of passive income or five hundred thousand of yeah. passive income? Yeah, like like a like a hundred something. Yeah. And when you were first starting, did that even seem achievable? <laughs> that is a, a fantastic question. When I first started, if you would have asked me that question, I, I probably would have said, like, if I'm making three grand a month in passive income, I'd be <laughs> stoked. So I think as you grow and as you, you know, achieve your goals, as you kind of step up the ladder, your kind of goals get bigger and bigger and you think of a better and bigger life for yourself. So although that number might sound arrogant, you know, when I first started, my number was like 3000 a month, I'd be, st I'd be happy. So um, now that I've seen success and I've seen the potential of real estate and that I can get there without, um, I can scale pretty quickly and not being able to scale like real estate in some other industries, I like real estate because you can scale fast. And that's why that number seems pretty achievable within the next you know, five to 10 years. Man, it's just such a fun industry to be in because there's so many people like you and me who are dreamers who want to go and create something bigger. And it's an industry where you really can do it. I remember for myself, you know, I was in Hawaii, it was 2020, lockdowns were in, uh, were in effect, and I somehow got onto the island. It was super hard to get on, but we found a way on. And I'm sitting there with this, this older gentleman, now a, a great friend, almost like family, and he's probably in his mid-50s, and you know, he was a builder and had a lot of success and kind of hung it up and, and retired. You know, he'd hit his number, and he asked me this question. He said, hey, Stephen, well, what's your number? Obviously, you're super driven. You're going after it. Like, at what point is it going to be enough? And it kind of hit me. It kind of hit me because I had a number. I was like, yeah, a million bucks a year in passive income. So if I back into that, that means, you know, 10 million of assets that are generating me, you know, eight to 10 percent. And and I'm good and I'm covered. And but it really kind of led to, well, how do we actually go about doing that? And then what's the point of it? So for you, I'm curious, what do you really want in your life? Like what what are you going after? And like, why is it so important to to continue to do the effort to to building that life? Yeah, I mean, that's a fan. I mean, that's a great um, segue. I think the my number when you ask me, like I, I do have a number in mind where I feel comfortable, but. Um, I wouldn't stop after that number because I'm really happy with the way life is going right now. I'm a people person. I'm more about meeting great people and having great conversations and um, kind of opening doors for myself and for other people. So I've been doing that lately with through you know my company. I have multiple agents, multiple employees working with me and seeing them grow and mentoring younger people that are trying to get into the business, trying to get their feet wet has been the most fulfilling thing for me. So um, I know that I can get to my number just by keep doing what I'm doing. But once I get there, I'll probably just, you know, do a little less, spend more time with family, um, start focusing on uh, starting my family, like having kids, stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I think there's a lot more to life than just real estate. So I definitely want to, you know, have that, you know, passive income, but I also want to keep doing real estate, but also have time to travel and experience all the other like wonderful things about life because 
real estate's a very tiny little sector of life. And I think some people that I know, like my clients, are so obsessed with real estate their whole life that they didn't get to experience all the other, you know, amazing things that life has to give. Yeah, I, it's so true. I mean, people sometimes forget that this is a vehicle. You know, you can get in a lot of different vehicles to drive where you want to go. This one just happens to be pretty nice and you can go pretty fast and has a lot of different options of what you can do with it. But it really comes down to that life that you want to create. And, you know, when you get clear on what that's all for, it drives you. But something that you said that I want to point out for the listeners is something that I hear from so many successful people. I feel it myself. It's like once you get into something that you love doing and you're good at, you kind of don't really ever see a point where you're going to stop. You feel that? Yeah, 100%. You were able to retire your mom. You've built this incredible team of agents. So you've got a business going. You've got your investments. Where are you at today on the path towards hitting that number? Have, have you made it? Um, and how are you tracking that progress towards you know getting to that six figures a month? Yeah, right now I'd say I'm about... Um I mean, passive income, purely not active income from my business. I'd say passively from properties, it's it's right around that. Um, it depends on the month, but somewhere in between twenty to twenty five thousand a month, depending on how the properties mm. operate. So I'm about quarter of the way there. So gonna slowly just inch my way up and keep keep going. But yeah, enjoying the journey, like you said. Yeah, I mean that's such an incredible place to be, and. Did you, you know, how did you end up going about doing that? Obviously, you built the skill of being a realtor, being able to go out and find properties and get access to them. How did you actually go about becoming an investor, taking that money that you earned in your career and starting to apply it to assets that would continue to pay you now and forever? Yeah, one of the best things my one of my investors ever told me was um, he quoted that you become wealthy from the things that you own, not from the things that you do. Mm. And when he said that, it struck me like a lightning bolt because I realized that I was just kind of in the rat race, just kind of finding the next commission, doing, 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 spending you know, 12, 14 hours a day trying to put deals together. But I was also at the time spending a good amount of money and not saving enough and not focusing on buying properties. So as soon as I heard that when I was, you know, beginning my career and kind of starting to kind of rise up and do more deals, I really focused on learning the skill of underwriting properties, analyzing what a good deal is versus what a bad deal is. Uh, bought my first property as soon as possible and um, bought it completely by myself, made all the mistakes in the world, hired the wrong contractor, um, got the wrong loan on it, still made great money on it, but made all the mistakes. And the way I scaled my portfolio fairly quickly is we actually didn't raise any capital from investors in the beginning. My partner and I, uh, we found really good properties to purchase, but we partnered 50-50 and we got very high leverage on really good deals where our equity multiple on the money we put in was super high because leverage is a double-edged sword, right? The higher the leverage, the higher your equity multiple can be but higher the leverage, the higher the risk. But if you're buying things that are below market value, the risk goes down significantly. So that was how we were able to scale our portfolio fairly quickly. So at, from, a, from an investment strategy, it sounds like you were, you were flipping or were you doing kind of a renovate to hold type strategy? Yeah, so it was half and half. So some were renovate, hold and refinance and pull our capital out. And then some were um, 
hold for one to two years, sell, and then do a 1031 exchange, tax deferred exchange into a larger asset. So we never cash out. We always want to keep our money rolling with the, rolling forward, tax deferred. So mm. yeah, we haven't cashed out on any properties. Yeah, 1031, it's such a powerful tool. So when you were go going in and actually flipping those houses, you'd hold them for long enough and then you'd 1031 into the next deal? Exactly, yep. And when it comes to your time, your your split of your time, right? You're you've got an active business, you're a real estate agent, you're creating some great content, you're teaching people about how to think like an investor, something that I'm a big fan of with the investor mindset. But on the other side, you're also an investor. So how do you split your time between, you know, the things that you're doing to make and earn money versus the things that you're doing to multiply your money and grow your wealth? Yeah, I think it's you know, it's tough to measure, but I'd say I spend I spend uh, time every single day on both sides of the business. So I'd say it's somewhere around 50-50. Some days more than others on one side versus the other, but I'm still fairly active in uh, growing both sides of the business, the investment side mm -hmm. and the brokerage side. So I'm definitely active in it every single day on both sides. And do you feel like one is a higher priority at this point in your life than the other? Ooh. I've never been asked that before. I think priority wise, I think they're equal in different ways. I think priority mm -hmm. for being able to become, you know, more and more financially free as I go, uh, more and more wealthy, the investment side has much more benefits, but the, the brokerage side, my business side has other priorities because like I said before, I prioritize people and if people are taking a chance on my company and working with me, I want to make sure that they succeed. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of hire, I do a lot of managing, training, hiring, um, redeveloping systems, trying to market as much as I can and give leads to my agents. So um, I'd say both are a priority, just in different ways. Yeah, you know, and it's such a it's such a hard question to answer because you know I've had that same question asked to me, and you know I've obviously in the business we run a private equity company we buy a large multifamily in Denver and around the country, and then I've got you know an education company where we're teaching people how to think like an investor and invest in those same type of deals, and when somebody asks the question, hey, well, what's your priority? If you have two priorities, you have no priorities. And it, it's so hard to answer because it's like, no, but the education's so important because it's like literally changing the way people think so they can actually go and do the things that's gonna change their life. But yet the private equity company is the place where, you know, we earn the most wealth. It's your, you know, your equivalent of the investments that you're doing. And so it's it's always hard to be able to balance that yet you know, in your business, you know, I would imagine that the brokerage business is quite profitable. You know, you're out there making great commission, you're earning immediate money, the ability to make that money and earn it allows you to then have money to then go invest and begin that process of multiplying. And when done correctly, your brokers should be able to sell just as many properties as you, and you can get that VIG, that percentage on top, and in the end, you'll earn more money there, but then you'll be able to, you know, reduce taxes and do a lot of other stuff on the investing side. Exactly. Yeah. Very well said. How's your um, education business? Is, it pretty, is that one pretty profitable too? It's profitable. It's a lot of fun. I haven't invested as much time building that as I have building the, the private equity company, but the people that I've been able to work with over the years, it's 
so fulfilling. Like I can imagine when you're putting out content and you get the comments back and people talk about, you know, referencing you as somebody that was able to make a change in their life. Like personally, that feels good. Like it feels good to be able to give back and and know that all these years spent learning things, I'm able to pass along to other people. I make way more money in the private equity business, but you know, the training business doesn't do too bad. Amazing. It's good stuff. When you're looking, you know, you're you're young, but you've obviously tried a lot of things in a short amount of time. You've had some good success. We've been on a great bull run since we've both gotten into the real estate game. Talk to us a little bit about what hasn't worked in the past when it comes to making and multiplying money. I think what hasn't worked was partnering with people that I didn't fully align with. So I think mm. the only the only deal where I partnered with one person that I wasn't too familiar with just didn't work out well. Uh, we both got on each other's nerves. We both um, kind of saw things differently, got in arguments. And even though we did okay on the deal, I thought we lost because it just took a lot of mental bandwidth out of my day. So that was something that took up a lot of my time and a lot of my energy. So that was one. What happened with that deal that made it stressful? Yeah. So it was a big renovation project. We were going to add two units and renovate the existing four units, all three bedrooms. Mm. And so a development deal, the contractor that, yeah, the contractor that he chose just did not work out. Uh, he was like six months behind on everything. It was a nightmare to work with them and nothing was done properly. So, mm. and, and, no, and no one was listening to me. So I would put in my input. I would try to change things. I would try to do things differently because it just, things weren't working, but um, they on the other side were not receiving it. So that, I think a, a lack of good communication, a lack of um, trying to help each other out was bad. I mean, obviously I had some faults too, but um, I think that when both partners don't want to listen, it becomes a very big issue. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you know, partnership, good partners. I've had bad partners. I've invested passively in deals that had terrible partners. I've invested passively that have amazing partners. And it really sucks. It just sucks because it's like, this could be so easy. We could make a lot of money. We could have a lot of fun doing it. But when you get out of that values alignment, you end up it just creates so much resistance. So I'm curious, what what advice would you have to people who are looking to move into real estate? You know, your strategy is very active. You're going to kind of be the person and maybe go find the deal, manage it and really create that value. You've got that business set up. What would you recommend to those people? And what would you recommend to the people who, you know, they're making a lot of money and they don't really have time or interest to go down that path to do that? Yeah. So if, if you're just starting in real estate and you don't have, you have all the time, but no money, I think the best way to get your feet wet is to learn some sort of skill in real estate that adds value to a future partner. So whether mm. you're on the debt side, the equity side, finding properties, raising money, whatever it is, operating properties, whatever it is, find a niche in real estate that'll add value to a partner. Um, construction's a big side too. Everyone struggles with construction. So if you're a master at construction, you got a great company, it's a great way to add value to a partner. So that's number one. And then Two, I'd recommend not doing it on your own. If you're just starting, I'd highly recommend working with someone who's more experienced than you because 
they've done deals you haven't they know what it's like to get a deal from start to finish and when you've never experienced that before and you go through that journey alone like i did you'll go through a lot of mistakes a lot of problems a lot of hurdles and partnering with right people is the fastest way to fast track your success and then for the person that's in a different scenario that has a lot of capital doesn't have time um you know you got to invest in people that have time so you got to invest in people that are in the business every single day that are finding deals um, that are operating the properties that are in the business every single day because if you can't be in the business every single day someone else needs to be because real estate is never fully passive you got to have mm-hmm. an operations you got to have systems so you got to have people that are actually running the day-to-day and um asset managing the properties yeah yeah i think it's really good advice because oftentimes people kind of get hoodwinked into thinking that real estate is all passive income and the truth is it can create massive amounts of wealth but usually real estate's pretty active somebody's got to be pulling the strings and following up with the manager and the contractors and making sure all those things happen because if you don't things don't work out contractors don't show up property managers don't make great decisions. They spend money they don't need to because they just don't have good alignment of interest. And so when you're that partner, when you're the person who's making those individual decisions, or you've got a great partner who has that experience, who's out there in the field and they're aligned with you because they're going to make money only when you make money, that's how you know you're actually going to be protected. Exactly. And so, you know, you've, you've grown a lot within a very short amount of time. What do you think was it that that really was one or two of those big catalysts that allowed you to be able to step from, I'm 18 to 20 years old, I don't know Jack about real estate, into being somebody who's you know a skilled professional and has had a lot of success? Yeah, one or two things that first come to mind, I think number one is just consistency and discipline. I think, A lot of people that want to get into real estate are highly motivated that want to achieve big things, but motivation is very temporary. So motivation comes and goes, but Mm. discipline and consistency is something that you practice every single day, no matter how you feel that day. And my mentor told me that early and often, and that was one of the best things he's ever instilled into my mindset. So I think running off of discipline, knowing that I have to, you know, make these calls, talk to these people, meet with this many people a week, having those key performance indicators and hitting them no matter what, with consistency, even though I don't feel motivated or I felt down on myself, which I did several days or several months when I didn't make any money. So that was number one. And then I think, I think the second thing was investing my time in the right people. So I think investing a lot of my time with clients that I knew were going to consistently buy over and over again and sell over and over again and really fostering those relationships because it's it's tough to say but it's the truth some relationships are going to benefit you a lot more than others like for example as you grow older you know we kind of grow with new friends like I can't um, relate to my childhood friends much at all because I'm on a way different path than them. So as you get older, your friends change, your relationships change. And as you go on with life, some relationships benefit you more than others. So invest time in relationships that are going to, you know, it's going to be a give and take relationship, not just a give, give, give. Yeah. 
Well, I, f- I feel you on that. I mean, you know, I, I've gone through that path myself, but I hear from a lot of people and it's like, as you're on that path of change, you're going to start having people around you have a lot of resistance to what you're doing. And, you know, they mean well. They're like, hey, don't go do real estate. That's super risky. Or, you know, don't, why don't you come out and have fun and do these things? You need to enjoy yourself. You know, you're 26, you're 30. Like, life's about having fun. It's not all about work. And then you have to look at them and know that they love you and they care about you. And most of the time, they want what's best for you. But you also have to recognize are they living the life that I want to live? Are they earning the kind of income that I want to learn or, or earn? Are they doing the things that are important to me? And if they're not, you, you have to just smile and, and pretty much ignore any other advice. Yeah, and it's a tough thing to do when, you know, they've been your close, close people, close friends growing up, even your family. My, my parents didn't want me to go into real estate. They thought it was super risky. They thought I was making a huge mistake that I was going to lose all my time and money or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that tell you that stuff, they they project their own insecurities and fears on you. So they think real estate's scary. So, of course, they're going to tell you that it's a bad idea and that it's scary. So, yeah, I, I've learned the hard way to only listen to people that have already done what I want to do and become. And discipline is such a hard thing, but yet it's the most important thing. I found that places in my life I can be extremely disciplined. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then it's easy to kind of get caught up in a little pattern or a habit where you're maybe watching too much TV or you're staying up too late. You're not taking care of yourself. What have you done, Jason, to be able to build that discipline? You know, just so you know, I'm not perfect either. Like I know a lot of people come on podcasts and they say, I'm perfect. I'm disciplined. I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. I meditate. I journal. I do all this stuff no matter what. I have my bad days where I don't do any of that. I have my good days where I do all that. So before I say anything, I just want to say that I am not perfect. I'm not fully disciplined. I'm not a monk. But what's really helped me is trying to just wake up with like some sort of purpose in my head. Like when I go to bed at night and I know that I'm going to um, try to accomplish just one or two things that are like really on my mind, I get much more motivated to get up in the morning. But when I go to bed with like, no plan or like no target to hit the next day, I kind of like, you know, gradually get out of bed slowly and have no motivation. So I think having that target every single day when you wake up, what you're going to do, we're going to accomplish, whether it's a fun thing or whether it's a, a hard thing or something that you need to do to grow your business, it's really helped me kind of propel myself and get going in the day faster. Yeah. Man, I couldn't agree more. I, I am anything but perfect, but I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I'm, I want to do everything right. I want to get it exactly perfect. But there's nothing worse than trying to be perfect when you're trying to build a new habit. Because you're going to meditate, you know, seven days, 10 days, 20 days in a row, and you're going to miss one day. And if you start beating yourself up, then you're going to lose that energy that you actually need to go and do the things you need to do. So it's such a good reminder because oftentimes people look at social media and they think, you know, everyone's got their best face on, but we're just people, you know, we just are people who've been on the path. We figured out some things, we screwed up other things, and we're just looking to share the things that we know with, with others who, who want to do it. Yep, exactly. No, no one's perfect. Social media is a tough, tough thing because everyone's got their, yeah, their perfect game face on, but 
you you never really know what happens behind closed doors and they're never going to show that or at least most people don't so yeah it, it makes you really yeah insecure yeah it can it can absolutely make you insecure but from my perspective jason you're doing some amazing things i think people should follow you so they can keep learning from your experience where should people be able to follow you or get in touch yeah, I'm most active on Instagram and YouTube, and it's the same username. It's just my full name, Jason Joseph Lee. My first and last name are too common to find me, so uh, it's my full name. <laughs> yeah, what what I love to see from you, J- Jason, is that one, you're disciplined. Two, you're taking action. Three, you named your number without even really recognizing it. You have that goal. You've got the purpose behind it, and you're learning and taking that action to be able to move forward. And that's what everyone needs to do. So anyone who's listening to this, Jason's a great example. If you want to go in that active route, if you're a real estate agent, he's done it before and you can learn a lot from him. And even if he's not doing exactly what you want to do, some of these same principles apply. So as we wrap up, Jason, what advice would you want to share to folks who are on that path towards creating financial independence for themselves? Yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to leave with is we kind of touched on it earlier, but, you know, don't be afraid to fail early and often. I think so many people are afraid to get their ego bruised, get rejected and, you know, lose in business or, um, you know, just make people are too afraid to take risks and taking calculated risks and not taking any rejections personally are probably the two most um, driving factors for my success besides the two that I mentioned earlier. Um, you have to take a risk because if you don't take a risk, you're going to be in the same place your whole life and you're never going to grow and move forward because the most growth in our lives happen when we are in our most uncomfortable states. And if you're afraid to fail, if you're afraid to be uncomfortable, you're never going to grow. And with the rejection part, I got rejected a hundred, like 150 times a week telling me to lose their number, never call them again. I'm not selling, I'm not buying. And it took about four to five months to get my first lead. So it's crazy thinking back on that. Wow, I'm surprised I made it through those days. But even if you're getting rejected early and often, whether you're an agent, whether you're some sort of salesperson, real estate investor, just know that every single no is closer to a yes. And um, yeah, just keep going. Man, such good advice. Thanks for tuning in. Jason, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.